Saturday, December 1st, 2018. This is Postmarked from 27, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Uh, Scott, my friend, uh, I told you right before you said that that this is 28. I know, and I just said 27. It went, So you ruined the bit, because as we, far as the, the catalog goes, as far as the, uh, the feed is concerned. The canon. Yeah, the canon. Uh, people are listening and they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about, Tim? This is Postmarked 27. Scott was right. And Scott, in that sense, is right. But he's also very wrong. Mm. Let me tell you why. Because 27 was recorded. Uh, it was recorded a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, I just never posted it. It's the lost episode. The l- it's nice to have a lost episode. I feel like every... Do you, do you have... Like a fuck up episode from Better Yet. I it's not a fuck up. It's actually a pretty good interview that somebody chose uh, not to let me air. Oh uh, yeah, a yeah. lost episode. It is a lost episode. Um, I think that's the that's when you become established once you have a lost episode. I'll tell you what. I uh, I don't really care for that person's music anymore. Mm. Oh, I went in caring a lot. Mm. I love that Glockamora record. Oh, in fact, I love everything that that band did. And I was really excited to be like, oh, man, this is so cool. Oh, you like Paul Thomas Anderson? That's awesome. So do I. Oh, uh, two days before I'm supposed to post it, you ask me not to. Oh, that's cool. Was there... It wasn't, like, objectionable, right? No, it was... um, Yeah. I, I, there was really nothing wrong with it other than I think he was uncomfortable with listening to himself. Sure. And, uh, yeah, he's like, sorry, I'm weird. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'm never talking to you again. Everybody's weird, dude. Stupid. Stupid. Get real. Pretty high on the list of people that I wanted to talk to. Yeah, especially back then, you were, like, high on that band Oh, for a yeah. Long time. Let me tell you what I'm not high on, uh, that band. <laughs> Also, not very high on uh, on Monday Night Raw. Mm-mm. Moderately high on SmackDown. Yeah, SmackDown was good. SmackDown was good. And uh, we, we, before, before we get in there, one of the, one of the things that everybody's going to be missing out on having not heard uh, episode twenty seven point one. Yeah. Is uh, is it was your birthday? Oh, it was. It was my birthday. And they had Survivor Series uh, the day before your birthday. It was nice very of them. cool of them. Yeah. Birthday Eve it's move. my new favorite part of my birthday. And uh, you got a little oh my God. birthday message. Did Is we that talk right? about this in the last episode? No, because we didn't do it. It hadn't happened yet. Yeah. But I don't know if you caught it. Um, in the last episode, uh, there were a couple of... <laughs> instances where i believe i referred to a godfather i definitely referred to the movie and then i was like oh me a pimp daddy tonight we should get some godfather's pizza oh that's what that was about you did say that Uh uh-huh uh-huh and i was like is there even a godfather's pizza around here why is he so weird i don't get this guy this guy's weird i've known him for so long and he's so uh unusual he's uh, he's a charismatic enigma thank you um there was a godfather's pizza in normal right or bloomington bloomington illinois yeah 
Was it a buffet? It was. I don't think I ever went there. Because yeah, I did either. Um, but what are we talking about the Godfather for again? Oh, because the Godfather sent me a text message, which uh, included a video that he took uh, for my birthday, and he said he he wished me a happy birthday. He said uh, something along the lines of like, "Hey, I know you like two things. My friend, your friends tell me you like two things: wrestling and smoking weed." <laughs> And that means we got two things in common. <laughs> and then and then he doubles back on himself and says, actually, I'm more of a dab man. Hey, I'm just more of a dab man myself. But hey, I'll smoke cool. weed if I have oh to. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that he was just so blaze too when he, and he he told you to come to visit him yeah, in he vegas told me to come out to vegas and he uh, said he wished i was there yeah because it's illegal there which is crazy because they have weed there yeah. <laughs> uh, it was incredible i watched it at work and then i showed my co-worker what, what do your co-workers mind. think they, they think it was pretty cool uh yeah they he probably said, thought you were a pretty cool guy my co-worker said hey that's a train that i'd like to ride I know, oh. That was a pretty funny thing for that my is, to That say. is a really funny thing yeah, to say, to get that one. Yeah. That, that's a, the Godfather is a great... It, it was great to explain that bit to uh, to Jamie full on. Just be like, so what we're going to do here is we are going to get uh, a former pro wrestler. Uh, his, his real name is Charles Wright, but his most famous... Uh, uh, character was called the Godfather. Here, let me just. We we can just watch a video. See? Oh, yeah, he's there a pimp. He is. He's, uh-huh. he's a pimp. Yeah, and then those are women. They're his hoes. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. As soon as he started, because he's also like one of the most like lighthearted wrestlers. Like he's something that kids enjoyed, right? Like he was this. Like he's a very fun character. Yeah. But then you look back and you're just like, oh my god. Oh dude, my god. What the you're fuck was just happening a, here? You're just a pimp. This is horrible. This is so bizarre and and terrible and yeah and he was his all of his moves were like crowd participation moves very much so he did the hoe train and everybody got really excited for it but now he just smokes weed and uh dabs he's mm, a dab man exactly he's a dab man now and and uh cameo.com uh (laughs) you can go and order yourself or some of your friends a uh, video message from the Godfather, thirty dollars. It's only thirty bucks. Only thirty dollars. I looked into some of the other ones as options for you. Bret Hart, one hundred dollars. And I would have enjoyed it less. Also, we the Godfather was perfect because it was like you know I've been hearing a lot about because obviously it's it's it should be made. Uh, abundantly clear at this point that this is fucking this is a tim operation everybody else oh sure everybody else got oh sure um the mastermind i mean i don't really do anything for other people that often so it's it's nice to do (laughs) something once in a while to Um, give back well the the uh i've been hearing about it a lot as this thing where oh you can just get like the lowest rate celebrities to send you video messages so it's like oh who would be a funny one (laughs) Who would be a funny one for Scott that uh, wouldn't break the bank? There he is, the Godfather, $30. I follow three wrestlers on Instagram. I follow Charlotte Flair, I follow Becky Lynch, and I follow the Godfather. 
I follow, uh, I definitely follow Becky Lynch. You know what? I actually might have unfollowed the Godfather. It got pretty repetitive. He yeah, doesn't really do much little, these days. Yeah, it repetitive. He does a lot of dabs. Um, I, I would like to be, I'd be interested in Charlotte's Instagram because when I was watching SmackDown, um, I had checked out it at some point uh, in, the, in, in recent memory because I'm looking at Charlotte while she's talking. Uh, I guess this was uh, last week. And I'm like, what's up with her teeth? And then, up with her teeth? Yeah, she got she got a bunch of teeth knocked out, and she had to get them replaced. So oh. she's got a bunch of she's got real big fake teeth now. <laughs> yeah, watch her, watch her when this. she talks now. Yeah, they're they're an it's an enormous set of teeth. Um, Excuse me, ma'am, you have some enormous teeth. I just wanted to. Well, it was weird because I had this like, um, I'm sitting there. And I'm watching it, and I'm going to go into a little bit of a of a harsh judgment mode here because uh, about her teeth. Well, honestly, the way that they were, she was definitely like they protrude, but it also felt like she was kind of like showing them off as as if this was like you know when you get your braces off uh-huh. and you're like. Yeah, wow. check out these bad boys. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, did she get like fake teeth? And is she like <laughs> feeling weird about them? No, is she like, did she choose to do this? Was this a cosmetic surgery that she wanted to have done to like? You know, it, uh, uh, beautify, if you will. And that's, there's no judgment there, mind you. I, well, actually, there is. There is. There's no judgment when it comes to, you know, other uh, cosmetic surgeries that, that people might be like, oh, that's so, that's so vain. That's so vapid. Like, you, you want to get, you want to get like, calf implants? Go for it. I don't, I don't give a shit. But sure. the teeth one, I was like, there's some psychosis going on in here. There is some very, very odd uh, things that are going on in your brain. If you are, if you are thinking that, what I should really do is get some fake teeth. <laughs> so I'm reading. I'm reading up on what happened here. This happened in May. Did? Yeah. She got fake teeth in May. She I- lost her teeth. Her teeth got knocked out in the middle of a match in May, on May 10th, 2018. And right after that, was, that, that she was got back new when teeth. you were you were 31 and a half. I was 31. That was back before The Godfather sent me a text message. Uh huh. <laughs> that was before The Godfather. I, yeah, this happened in May. I had no idea. Well, but she has big white teeth in May. She has big white teeth and i was sitting there kind of going like what possesses someone to because look if you're this is something that i this is something that i've decided that i that i feel uh at my core Uh uh-huh you're a famous person there's something that's motivating you that is uh 
at least a percentage of sociopathic and, and yeah, narcissistic. Very yeah, yeah, that you just have to be able to think about yourself in a way that other people aren't, and that's why you're famous, right? Sure. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "What? What is going on with you? What is what is wrong with you?" And then I'm like, "Whoa, this is Ric Flair's kid." I mean, you think about like what's been passed down from that guy. So I'm getting really sure, like, sure. I mean, like, it's a marvel that she's not like a train over, wreck. Yeah, exactly. Well, she seems like she has it together. If you are, the, I saw, I saw the, a report on this once, and nothing ever was followed up on it. Um, I didn't go too far into investigating it because it was turnover. Turn on my phone for sure. ten minutes yeah, to look yeah. at Reddit. A morning Reddit move, and there was uh, she got, uh, I believe, as the story, uh, as I can remember it best, that she gets pulled over uh, sometime recently and spits out some nasty language. Ooh, um, was it uncool nasty? It language? was uncool nasty language. Uh-oh. So I, that's something that like. I haven't seen, and it's also a, uh, it's not the, it's not the path that I really want to go down at this juncture in, uh, in time. Digging into Charlotte Flair's indiscretions? That's, that's too much. Sure. It's like I, we've kind of talked about Hulk Hogan on here. I don't have enough in me to care enough about Hulk Hogan to hate him fucking he's a fucking like old person from florida of course he's racist totally i mean it seems seems pretty obvious and i think like we can at some point take it as a given that pretty much everybody in wrestling is a bad person but there's exceptions now and there's more and more of them i think that this is the generation that is changing that sure i think that if you are wrestling and you are younger than Kofi Kingston, there is a very, very high chance that you are at least half as uncool as yeah, somebody yeah. who's 10 years older than totally. you. Um, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, we, you see it, right? Like you see like Finn Balor and Xavier Woods and Sami Zayn doing rad shit all the time. Right. It's very public. But I'm still not surprised when a wrestler is a shithead. You know? When it's just like, oh, you're a bad person. Okay. It's like, like I followed, um, I followed some people that were um, kind of punks who liked wrestling on Twitter. And this is around Ronda coming in. Sure. And I'd say I was like a few months into like following them on Twitter and they were engaged in most of the pay-per-views. And it was always like, you know what? I don't, I don't watch this to uh, be reminded of the fact that AJ Styles is uh, probably somebody I disagree with politically. Sure. I don't have that in me. 
and I don't want to be like, eh, I don't know anything about it, so uh, I just I just don't want to know, even though that's what I'm doing. That's totally what you're doing. Yeah, but it's like, if I'm not drawing that line somewhere, what am I what am I getting out of my life? Yeah, and I mean, like, I think we we uh, forever we're gonna talk about the concessions that you have to make to watch wrestling in general. So at some point, like, unless somebody's doing something super, and I guess you you draw all your own lines, right? Because we could sit here and talk about how fucked up the Godfather is, but then say like, no, but we still want to sit here and enjoy AJ Styles, even though he's probably said some shitty stuff in his life. Right. We draw those lines on our own, and I think that's fine. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, like you said, where, what will we be doing? Because it's like it's like uh, they sign they sign Ronda, and I just got these people coming in. It's like Ronda Rousey said something that's like kind of shitty about uh, transgender people two years ago, and I'm like, yeah, I that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, totally. I I hope that uh, I hope that she learned something from it. And I can't give much more thought to it than that. I got. This is just a. This is a time when I think it's it's very important to care. It's also very important to care about the important things. Right. Yeah. There are plenty of real life situations where this comes into play. I don't think. I think the idea of like spending all of your emotional energy criticizing your superheroes is like just draining it's so much it's so hard yeah i mean i talked to i I talked to david about this a lot because uh you know we do the alkaline trio podcast together and he loves metal he loves all kinds of uh of, of metal and he wrote an article um a few years back when he was writing for the av club about the problem that certain sects of black metal have with uh with fascism oh sure nazism and he gets so much spat at him from that of like get the fuck out of here you freaking you kale eater you you know and he's got an ability that I uh, really admire of just, uh, I think he's been doing it long enough. He's been uh, criticizing uh, people in, in mediums where a comment board is available to just be like, I don't fucking care. Whatever. Uh, When we started doing the podcast, I was working a little bit heel and, Oh man, that was so draining for me. Yeah. It got to to you, right? It really got to me. Uh, there were a couple, couple negative uh, iTunes reviews that were specifically about <laughs> me, and it made me really fucking sad. Uh-huh. Even though you're working heel, right. even though like you know you're being a pain in the ass, right? And mm. yeah, I, I've definitely turned the heel meter down a little bit, just because. Well, I mean, I, I also got a little bit more comfortable doing that thing. Sure, but um, the point, the point in bringing that up is that he went to go see anthrax and weird and somebody it was like anthrax opening for iron maiden and somebody of the uh more uh socially conscious uh punk 
standpoint was like anthrax likes cops like fuck that and he's like i'm just trying to fucking see iron maiden at the tweeter center <laughs> trying to go I to got a, a free rock ticket. show it's like why why can't i just enjoy that and yeah and i think that there's like there's a difference between pointing out something that's like hey you know this is problematic like I want to know, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. There's some middle ground that's like, yeah, I do. I don't want to be completely unaware of shit that's problematic, but also like I want to be able to make my own concessions based on that knowledge, right? Like we watch wrestling knowing that it's problematic and we know this. Yeah. I, it would be fucked up if we didn't know that. And then we're just like blindly watching this. Right. And I think obviously people know that anthrax is like not a cool at this point, like whatever. But if you're looking, if you're looking for anthrax to be your source of, you know, every aspect of your politics, like I don't know what you are expecting from people who are just living on a different planet. You <laughs> think like I'm sure that Scott Ian is like a cool guy. I don't, I don't, ex- I don't expect uh, Scott. E- scott ian to like want to sit down and and be persuaded to do something uh differently that i think that he should i don't think i don't think scott ian should uh start eating vegan sure i i i do like eating uh uh vegan because it makes me feel good and i think that it's uh it's something that i can do that's like a a little bit better for the planet and i think that everybody uh could also do it i think that also uh, we should shut down uh all of the corporations that are actually like responsible for everything that's happening but um i don't i you know it's like what am i gonna am i gonna spend my time like thinking about how he should really be doing that and if he doesn't then that's fucked up because he's old and and uh and he's a jerk yeah, like we know, we know this, right? We yeah. know he's old and he's a jerk. Speaking of vegans and speaking of jerks, this Daniel Bryan oh, guy. Oh, this freaking character. Oh, I love it. He's so good right now. That's it's crazy how good he is. Awesome. I can't wait because I think that um, I think Daniel Bryan is such an interesting case and somebody to keep in mind um, because we. We're coming into a very exciting time uh, in a different part of SmackDown right now, and Daniel Bryan is something someone we should keep in mind uh, as we as we watch this all play out. Daniel Bryan is so good at unpacking his pathos over time. When Daniel Bryan won the World Heavyweight Title, he was a babyface, and you watched him slowly turn into a heel and suddenly after having all of this time with the money in the bank briefcase, all this time wondering like, are they actually going to pull the trigger on this dude? They finally do. And he does it in a way where they tell him you're going to win, celebrate like you have never celebrated before and that becomes daniel bryan's yes heel version 
course, becomes the face version. But he was looking like I don't think anybody had unsuccessfully cashed in a money in the bank before. Yeah, I think that's true. And he was looking so bad that summer that he was holding it. And we're all just like, what is going on here? And then when they do, he looks great and looks greater and greater each week as he's just totally ascending and coming into this character. I cannot wait to watch him explain where he's at because he just turned his back on all of the people who have been clamoring for him to come back, who have supported him in this emotional, real way. What's going on in his head? Yeah, and it's funny to see this completely different villain, this completely different heel Daniel Bryan than before because before... It was almost this like obvious version of of the small guy, you know. He's like the little pipsqueak. He's a pipsqueak, absolutely yes. And you know, he's kind of a bully. He's a, he's a, a mean person. He's a chicken shit. He's like he's doing all all of those things, and now he's coming back around as a heel again. And it's total opposite. He's maniacal. He's conniving. He's uh, he's he's playing this like really thoughtful like pathological bad guy now and we're removed from the survivor series match a little bit so i i just want to point out the emotional breadth of watching that match and being like they're really gonna do this to him i'm sitting there like you're squashing this guy are you kidding me? Right. And to see him come back and to see him pull like all the things that we knew he was going to be able to pull. But you have that anticipation going into it and the match that you want doesn't start for 10 minutes because you're just sitting there thinking like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't, fucking believe that they're doing this to mm-hmm. him and it was beautiful I, I mean that match was such a great emblematic piece of of what i don't know just like the whole spectrum of what a wrestling match can be it didn't daniel bryan still lost like nothing changed there but we thought it was going one way which set up all the all these expectations it, we came in with expectations for it to be the best match ever the match itself sets expectations immediately that it's going to let us down and then it builds right back up from there. I mean, like the amount of, of metatextual storytelling that occurs throughout that I, like 40 minutes of anticipation through the whole match is just like, it's astounding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought he was going to win. Sure. I straight up thought that he was going to make Brock Lesnar tap out. And I'm gleaming just like he's got that cinched in he's really got that and brock i respect so much brock's ability to just be like oh yeah like kick me as hard as you want to it's so good it's Uh, so good he just it's so fun that he 
you can when you watch i think a lot of what i like about brock lesnar is you can kind of like see his code like you can see his wrestler's code his internal code for how he feels about things where you know he gave braun that like stiff punch a couple months back and you see him like half-ass the match with dean ambrose uh two years ago but you also see him put on these like stellar like barn burners of matches. He's, I mean, we talk about the AJ Styles match that he did last year and this one where he beat the fuck out of Daniel Bryan for like a solid eight minutes. And I, and you can just see this going where he's like, he's obviously excited about this match and you can see him hurt this small man, just like bully this human. And then he's like, all right, like give it back. Yeah. I, I, you earned it. It's it, it. And you see that with like, I just watched a, a clip recently and you know who it was it was it was vader and it was ken shamrock and it was an early ken shamrock match and he's got vader in like a corner and he's hitting him pretty hard and you can hear vader be like soften it up Mm -hmm. and then shamrock doesn't and vader just shoots he just throws him and just knocks him a few times just being like yeah like get off me dude i know you're a you're in bellator have you ever heard that story about um andre the giant working with ultimate warrior early on he's um he's working matches with warrior on house shows and warrior's really stiff with him and andre's like you got you can't get off man can't clothesline me the way you're clotheslining me you got to soften it up. Mm-hmm. And Heenan's managing him and Heenan's telling the story of, you know, he's working Warrior every night and Warrior's hitting him with these clotheslines and Andre's just going like, oh, and he's just getting mad and telling him, don't do that. And it's off the ropes, clothesline, too hard, don't do that. And then finally, uh, they're working and, and Warrior's coming in for the clothesline and Andre just puts his fist fuck yeah straight oh, that's awesome into his face as he's and he just runs into right it. like and, the ultimate warrior does mm-hmm. and then the next night they're working together very <laughs> soft clothesline and andre's uh on the ropes at a point and he just turns to heenan and it's just like he's learning <laughs> Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute to see, to think of Andre in that manner as this still being a gentle giant, just being like, I don't want to have to hurt you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Brock loves to dish it and he loves to take it. Totally. And I think that he works really well with people who have really good, you know, working hits and daniel's kicks and knees are all fantastic and and brock sells them so well because i think he has a lot of respect for somebody who can also dish and take yeah and i mean that the rumor was that he really wanted this match he'd been calling for this match for a long time that's awesome and i think that like so i heard somewhere that he's at the point in his contract where he's just calling match he is just like i want this match give me this match Wow. Which I think is why the Daniel Bryan match happened, and it's like why the AJ match happened a year ago, where he's just like, let's do these dream matches. I don't want to fight people that I don't want to fight. Yeah. That's just so cool. Um, 
the reason I brought Daniel Bryan uh, with the Money in the Bank contract up is because now we have a triple threat tables, liners, chairs match for the SmackDown women's title. Asuka, they, they have this ability with people who they seemingly have no interest in making them look good anymore. We've been mourning Asuka for six months. She looked amazing in that battle royal. Oh, hell yeah. And I was watching that and just thinking like, God, I forgot how much I love to watch her work. And I, I, yeah, I wonder if this is, it's the kind of thing, it's the, the Dolph Ziggler, it's the Seth Rollins thing where these dudes can sit on a shelf for a long time and then suddenly... All that all that it takes is is mildly strong booking for one of these wrestlers to just look like a million bucks and to be right back where they were. See, I think that this is this is a really good opportunity because we have suddenly a rivalry between Charlotte and Becky and Rhonda mm-hmm. that is so interesting that it to me makes a lot of sense to put somebody into this triple threat match that possibly comes out with this title mm-hmm. and leaves Becky and Charlotte with something to focus on. And we've got the Royal Rumble coming up and I have to think that my dream uh, booking for all of this Asuka has a SmackDown women's title. Charlotte wants a match at the Royal Rumble with Ronda. Ronda's got Nia Jax right now, but that just feels like a holdover. Right. Nia Jax is hot. There's nobody else on Raw who's going right. to come in. and Everyone's on SmackDown. And Charlotte versus Ronda at the Rumble. Becky Lynch wins the Rumble. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte or Ronda Probably Ronda at WrestleMania. At Mania? Yeah, I, I think totally there's, no matter what it is, like this triple threat in and of itself is lending itself to fantasy booking, right? It's lending itself to this like enormous amount of possibilities. It's giving, it's it's like, it's really good at, at putting a lot of doubts out there that we all can connect, right? Like we're seeing... The opportunity, like, I, it seems obvious that Asuka's going to win this match, right? Which, who knows if that's actually going to happen, right. but that's what it seems like. They're they're giving that's us the this feeling, opportunity, right? right? Like, they're telling us, by putting Asuka in this match and potentially giving Asuka this championship belt, they're telling us that Becky and Charlotte are even more important than we thought they were, right? Like, they're telling us they're going forward with the idea that these women could headline WrestleMania. Could you... Th- I- <laughs> This has been a lot of, it's been a two years of, of firsts in women's wrestling sure. in WWE. This is the first time that you have two people who have surpassed the title in terms of importance, with the exception of Ronda coming in. Ronda comes in and she's obviously like a big star, but these are two this people who are homegrown, who have... Uh, made themselves matter to such an extent that their rivalry, while there is a title that is in the picture somewhere, it's more about beating Ronda 
and having that match with Ronda at Mania, there have been, it's been years and years of, of male performers who are more important than the title. I think this is the first time that you have women performers who have reached that status. Yeah, I can't think of a time. I can't think of... It's just so wild that what I think we've been talking about for like six months in Becky, and it's crazy to see the ascendance of her, but to have felt that it was fragile at best the entire time, and to now see it being solidified by the fact that there's like multiple women in this situation. Yeah, you're watching Becky and you're like, oh my God, like I, I, I hope that they don't mess this up. But what they've done is they've used Becky to give Charlotte a dimension to her character that she's never had. And now you're putting Asuka in as a potential winner of this title match that feels like a sleeper even though we all know that giving oscar that belt is such a good look just give it to her and let her do her thing you have three huge stars i mean think about you think about like all of the eras you think about like what john cena does for randy orton you think about what austin does for the rock that's how it works yeah and it's i mean it's also really interesting to see asuka come in here and be able to like be benefited by this situation right and i think what's crazy about it is i mean you're talking about women that are sending the transcending the title and that was what Asuka seemed like she was going to be the first one that did that, right? Yeah. And obviously they kind of shat the bed with that. But she came in completely on fire and with a streak like no one else had had. And obviously she that that ended. But now it's really cool to see her in this like situation with these two other women. And yeah, and she's got the ability to take that thing and then just forge her own path with it right and now, yeah now it seems like there's plenty of potential for her to pick up what she had left off around wrestlemania yeah absolutely because like you know as far as for us it feels like oh no that was an undefeated streak it mattered so much and they lost an opportunity there and that that's true to an extent but it's also it doesn't matter wrestling it doesn't work in uh in reminding you of the past unless it wants to so oscar doesn't have to come in and say like ah had a rough go there for a second but now i'm here where y'all thought i would be she's just like i'm here where y'all thought i would be and i mean i think we all have revisionist history of of who was good when and what everybody accomplished and in except for some very rare cases every single wrestler has had down times, right? Like, I think we were all disappointed because Asuka's was right when she was starting in in the main roster. But, you know, if she had six months of not really doing much and for the next two years she's on the top of the card, then who cares? That doesn't matter at all. Right, right. Um, we have a 
very exciting uh, look over on SmackDown. We have a Raw that is, I guess, just trying to figure out its identity again. Um, now that Roman's gone, it feels like, I mean, it was my takeaway from last week's Raw was I've seen everything that happened there. There might be a few different background players there, but Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor and Baron changes the rules of the match so that it's a handicap match. And Seth Rollins has an open challenge and it's against Dolph Ziggler. I don't know why there's not any intuition to look at the fact that, all right, we have to reset things a little bit here. Why not at least give Seth a different open challenge uh, a competitor for the first one? Yeah. I. It's funny to see them fall back to these matches that they were having four months ago that nobody really liked. Like we all Whoa. saw the potential of Dolph and Seth, right? Like I mean that that reached a pretty good high. I think that my argument there is like that saw so much life. Why not uh, start something else? Sure, there, there aren't people there. There's so many wrestlers that could have taken that open challenge that would have been exciting and fresh and new. And even if it's a one-off, that's what those are for, right? It's, that's to show off dream matchups. Right. It's it's the it's to build the IC title again. It's to build Seth again after he took such a back seat when Roman came back. Um or when Roman won the title. Yeah, it was a I didn't uh I, I was doing a lot of other things while I watched Raw. It, it, and Raw was a funny thing too because it had a feeling like I felt immediately as soon as I turned it on, was just like I'm not interested in this. Yeah, just coming in. I, I think we're in a very weird era of Raw. This like Baron Corbin led programming that, you know, obviously it's not him, but like this, this these kayfabe stories of him just like well, being he's involved the general in every manager. Match. He could come up with something better, don't you think? I mean, obviously, right? He's just doing a bad job of booking. I think. Seeing, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with Baron Corbin anymore. I think we, I've liked him ironically at points. I've thought he's a bad wrestler, at a lot of points. I don't uh, think I've ever thought he was a good wrestler. I thought he, there was potential. I thought he could be really fun, but I don't think it's ever actually happened. Yeah, it's interesting with him because they have really gone a lot of different routes with trying to make him work. You know, and they they do this a lot with uh, with people who don't seem to connect, and they're like, "All right, well let's let's have him do this. Uh, let's put him in here." And then you see the people who have a natural connection who lose to Finn Balor and Drew Mac or to I was talking about Finn Balor. Oh, but sure, yes. Uh, but you know, you you go back to I mean, think about how long it took for the uh, for the Usos to work for Sheamus, Sheamus to work. Yeah. When we were, God, you remember that Sheamus era? I hated Sheamus so much. He was one of the few wrestlers I really just did not like. Yeah, he was rough, and, and that, it's taken so long for him to become someone that's likable. Yeah, but even now, even I mean, I like Sheamus. You he's like great. him because he's with Cesaro. Yeah, and and 
and he's gotten to a point where like we all respect he's doing him, right? good stuff with it yeah. too you like my favorite uh my favorite favorite sheamus matches were with wade barrett sure. you remember though they would fight on raw and it was always just a, like a freaking crash yeah two big tall guys they hit each other big muscles so hard. oh they well the the english they love to hit each other mm, they're hard. brawlers i is he doing okay what's wade barrett been up to he uh i just saw i just, I just uh, saw him well i just saw him the other day uh he's doing two things i think he's doing that world of sport uh the british wrestling extravaganza oh okay uh and he's also he somebody Maybe he tweeted about it. He's been doing acting work. He's like an extra on a bunch of stuff. It seems He's an kind extra? of like a bummer. Yeah. Damn. It seems like a non-speaking role type of extra. Uh, I think somebody tweeted. I That's think this so, is Wade That is so wild that he can't get somebody that can just give him uh, just a small speaking role. Or like a, right? On some USA show? Anything? Like, what is... I mean, that's what Edge is doing, right? He's yeah. just getting weird small roles here and there, and it probably works out great for him. Yeah. I don't know. What I don't Wade know Barrett if it works does. out great for him. I almost sure. texted Ben the other day to just ask him if Edge was still his favorite, because <laughs> I, I still am like... Don't fully get it. I still don't get it. Um, is Edge his favorite wrestler? When I started watching wrestling with him, uh, so this was... 2010? Yeah. He was he was like Edge is my favorite, and I was like, "That's really weird." That's really weird because I dipped out at about two thousand and one, and when Edge became a thing, yeah. And then when I would like watch Raw uh, during like the rated R era, just occasionally, yeah, if I was uh, at home or whatever, I was just like, "I'm not buying this guy at Edge all." Is a champ. He's got like a um. You know your hang-up with Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm-hmm. You're acting. I do. Sure, he, yeah. Edge has that for me. It's like, it's like, oh, you're like crazy with emotions. You're acting. You're really broadcasting those emotions, aren't yeah. you, Adam? I, I wonder, though, also if you would feel the same way if you had watched him throughout. Those, like, when he was actually, like, doing... As I think it's fair to say that you didn't watch him while he was doing his best work, right? Like, Oh, certainly not. And I wonder if you were able to absorb that at the time, being fully invested. You have that, like... You get that sometimes when you see someone take a big leap in terms of popularity or something. You know, it's like... Uh, it's like Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like, got big a few years ago. And everybody was talking about him as being like the next big thing. Sure. And I'm like, you, that guy from uh, Third from Rock from the Sun, Angels in the Outfield. This is this is your dude. Like when the fucking uh, the Dark Knight came out, mm-hmm. and that was the that was the talk was like, oh, I think that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to be a part of the of the next one and even like he might take over for the joker yeah he's gonna be the joker or the riddler or something i'm like what the fuck do you remember the rumor that uh philip seymour hoffman was gonna be the penguin 
No, but that would have been sick. It would have been so fucking sick. Uh, Could you... Uh, man, I that would have been so cool. Do you think if... What was, have you watched the third Batman? Uh, not since it came out. Not I since it came out. Me either. I hated it so much. Yeah, I did not enjoy it. Uh, I didn't hate it. It just was not good. It was not engaging. I th- didn't enjoy my experience in any way. Yeah, I didn't really either. I wasn't like angry. I mean, I, mean, I think I was let down. Mm-hmm. I think that was a lot of it, right? Because The Dark Knight was so good. That was a weird era of trilogies, too, where I I felt like everything was so large scale and just it, it would end up being so complicated by the end of it that it's like, yo, I don't fucking care about Bruce Wayne and Anne Hathaway. Right. It's just, there wasn't enough in here for me. And the idea that like that's where you end up yeah yeah like i saw the my brother was really into like pirates of the caribbean when he was at that time and so uh i went to see the third one with him and like the second half of that fucking movie is just like tying up every single bunch of loose ends loose end in like slow motion and I'm at the point where I'm watching. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are anymore. I have no I, investment in any of these characters. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley. Um, what's going on with them? And oh, there's Keith Richards again. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think specifically with Batman, it's just like these movies are not about Batman. The first one kind of was. Yeah. The second one definitely was not. And then right. how are you supposed to come back from that? You have someone like Bane? I, it just doesn't... There was, was, is it, was, did the Bane move like make it impo- sort of impossible to start? Bane is just not an engaging enough villain. And we just had the most the engaging villain ever. Was there... Was Bane the only villain in the third one? Was there a second... Catwoman. Oh, right. Obviously, yeah. But that was also, like, not really that... It all just seemed forced, and it was like, ah, we know what to do. We'll do character study of a bad guy. And then they didn't actually do that again. Yeah. And it was just dumb and empty. Yeah. Super dumb. And two and a half hours long. Super empty. Yeah. It's so long. So long. What do they want? What do you want from me? I don't know. I don't know why, but I don't know why I had to wrap up there. So it was all trilogies. Did nobody want to do it anymore? That's probably yeah, what happened. Christopher Nolan right? didn't want to do it. He didn't even want to do that one. Really? Yeah. Why? Because he knew? Yeah. Totally, because he knew. And then they oh, man. made him do it. And they were just like, we'll give you a lot of money. And he's like, a okay. A lot of money. And you can make Inception. <sighs> Inception's great, Inception's man. awesome. That movie. that movie kicks ass. It really does kick ass. Um, Because, you know, it's like... What happens with the top? Mm. That's what I want to know. You're always like spinning that top yeah. to know where you're at. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Mm. So uh, I can tell you where Raw is at. It's in a. It's in, it's in a spot. <laughs> it's in a spot where. Maybe. Maybe we don't have to watch it anymore. Is that just like? 
is it becomes so it feels like there is this influx in programming in other areas we are given so much content that is outside of wwe that's still part of wwe is it time to move on from raw watching and to just think i can i can keep up from the outside I think it's super possible to do that now. I, well, it's certainly possible. I do it all the time, right. and I have a podcast about wrestling. <laughs> I mean, I, I think for a long time, it was the opposite, right? Where it was like, Raw is the one you kind of got to watch every week. SmackDown, you could skip it if you want. But it's swapped now, and now I feel like the only reason I'm watching Raw is in case something bonkers happens, in case somebody comes back. Like That's why it's on. That's why I have it. You know, even with something like that, um, even with something like Ambrose. The turn? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know that he's going to be good, but you also know that they're going to, like, I don't know. They're not going to do anything that's going to make you upset that you missed it maybe i could be wrong i watch smackdown because i know that i need to see becky lynch and i know that everybody else is working on that show in a effort to hit that to be on that mm-hmm. level. They're either chasing that or bolstering that. Dude, this Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio shit is fucking awesome, it's too. It's cool. And, and, yeah, Raw, it's just like motions. It just feels like it's going through the motions. It's and maintenance watching. Right. That's okay. It's I feel like it's almost always like this, too, around the Royal Rumble. It's going to be exciting again soon yeah. enough. Um, but... SmackDown has definitely reached the point that it was at two years ago. Um, you know, post shakeup, post shakeup, like first uh, SmackDown. This is uh, this is where uh, stars are made. This is where this is the wrestling show, land of opportunity. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like it has not been a concentrated effort to be that the way that it it was two years ago. I honestly think that it's completely star driven yeah absolutely and raw doesn't know what it's doing raw isn't it? it's, it's it not lost a big stories. star but it also hasn't been able to uh to gain any momentum back i think i think that's very true so anyway that's uh that's gonna be it for us this week uh <laughs> jamie's on trying to figure out Tim's if trying if to gesticulate <laughs> While and say goodbye while saying goodbye on the microphone. And what I want to say to all of our listeners out there is that I love them, and uh, I hope they have great days at work. And that I'm sorry that we uh, missed the last couple of weeks. There, there are certain things that I think that I'm very good at uh, maintaining. And there are certain things that I'm, I fall short uh, on a little bit. 
and that's not because I don't care. Um, it's just because I get so wrapped up sometimes. But um, I'm very lucky to have uh, a partner like I do. Scott, thank you for coming and uh, and and coming over and hanging out with me and talking about wrestling like we try to every week unless we, try. we, we get busy. But um, what I really want to say is that um, that I can't wait to see you again and that I hope that your day is filled with grace and hopefully we get to do something fun tonight and we'll be back next week uh, for yet another edition of, of Postmarkdom. This is uh, episode 27-ish. It's a, it's just an episode. It's not a lost episode. It's just 27. Um, I think that, yeah, that feels better. I'm, I'm happy with 27. We'll be back for, for 28 and uh, we will see you then. I love you. Don't expect you can get